Welcome back, everyone, to Archercast number 99, the last podcast with two digits, which is kind of insane, actually. Uh, this will technically be the 125th interview I've done. We also did the people in farming before the podcast. Uh, but here we are, yeah, just looking to sort of enter into three digits. Um, I wonder if we'll ever make four, which would be quite cool. Maybe catch up with Rogan one day. That'd be exciting. Um, I'll just have to shave my head and get rock hard abs and go and shoot elk on the weekend. Um, so yeah, a bit of work to get there, uh, but certainly met some fantastic folk over the, the course of the time. This is going out on a Friday. Tomorrow is Saturday. That's how calendars normally work. The 100th episode is coming out tomorrow purely because of how the dates fail. Uh, and I thought it'd be quite cool to release it on a Saturday. So you're getting three episodes in four days of my face. I'm sorry to take you through that, but there is also some fantastic folk stories to hear. Um, last week we had the NFU Scotland on. We had a few folk from NFUS. I haven't actually recorded that yet. I'll be recording it tomorrow. So I can't actually give you a heads up as to what's in uh, in the episode, uh, but should be should be a very enjoyable one there hearing about. Well, without a union, I know there's a lot of people that are anti-union and saying NFU stands for something else with the N being no and the U being use, but I disagree with that entirely. Uh, I think without a union, we'd be in a pretty dodgy place in this sector and it's a useful thing. So that'll be a good one next week as well. Tomorrow, as I say, is the 100th episode. Uh, the only tip I'm giving you, and I've said it a few times, is the person has been on the podcast before, uh, but there is also a big announcement. So please go check that one out. That'll be a good one too. But today uh, we've got, um, well, I guess you could say from Instagram fame, I think it'd be fair to say, uh, Neil, Neil Barrett or INJB hoof trimming or hoof care, hoof care, sorry. Um, you've probably seen pop up here and there on stories and reels and whatnot. Uh, but Neil, do you want to say hello? Hello. Yeah, no, thank you for um, asking me along, asking me on. So no, it's good, 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 good to be here. I'll try and um, talk slowly, try and understand you. Be all good. Just before we get started with another episode of the R2Cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, A-Plan Rural. A-Plan Rural are heavily involved on the social media scene in the ag space with 120,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories. They also post to their rural community blog with further stories about these people in the industry. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to Aplan Rural for that. Oh God, is it that bad? Is it, no, no, it's not. No, no, no. It's not as bad as that. The Scottish couple that are on Gogglebox, because I have to literally just like tune in and just really listen to that accent. That's really quite hard. So that's right. Oh, what are the Scottish couple? I don't watch Gogglebox. I don't really watch. TV. No, they're from like yeah, Glasgow or something. But yeah, they are proper. You have to really yeah listen in there. It's funny, Glasgow's sort of known, Glasgow and parts of Ayrshire are sort of known for having a certain accent, and uh, albeit I'm from Ayrshire, it's kind of like, it's an island off Ayrshire, so it's not really the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've had a few folk on the podcast that have, when we sort of do the intro chat before we hit record, have been like, Wallace, I can't understand a word you're saying. Uh, no, so, it's not that bad, you're, you're okay, you're fine, don't worry. <laughs> ideal, ideal. Now, I don't know if it's an indictment to me as someone that enjoys food, but I actually thought it was a Neapolitan picture Neil had behind him, but it is in fact a Bronte book, uh, so you're Bronte book. That's not my. Um, I'm not cultured. That's my better half. Who's far more cultured than than I am. So this is this is her office I'm sitting in, and um, yeah. So we've got things like that on the wall. I just uh, I just hijack it. Well, to the cult cultured better half. Thank you very much. Um, 
I always quite like looking at folks' backgrounds. I feel like you can tell a lot about people. Mine, if you look really closely, will tell you the fact that I can, in fact, not tie a tie, hence why I have two tied ties at all times. Um, that's, that's clever. That's, yeah, that's lazy. Well, it's genuinely not laziness. Like, honestly. What, what do you do, though, I, if you um, get right. drunk and you accidentally untie the tie and then the next time you come to use it, you're like, oh, my God, what do I do? Just to get a YouTube video out? Kind of hope I'll see my mum in between those times. That's right, good. okay. Yeah. And then we're good to go, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Why am I the way that I am? Why am I the way that I am? Um, for those of you listening, we'll get into Neil's sort of background and what he does in life in a minute. Uh, I think this will probably be one of those episodes where you actually hear uh, a couple of bearded guys open up quite a lot. Neil's done a lot of speaking about mental health. He's looking at trying to trying to better it for folk in our sector and, and, and sort of spoke out of his own story. And, and uh, I think that's really important. We live in a world where, you know, We've, we've been locked off from, from socialising, we've been locked off from society for a couple of years and we're moving into what I guess they call is the new normal, but it's essentially just normal again, really with more of this stuff, more of Teams calls and whatnot. Uh, but for some folk, that's been really tricky. And, you know, my job, I see it as difficult for students. I see it as difficult for us. I see it as difficult for everyone. So um, we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, just before that, uh, Neil, could you tell us a bit about about your background, you're a hoof trimmer these days, but what's what's sort of been involved in the past? Yeah, so um, I started off uh, working on a farm, like many people do, went to Oakwood College, uh, back in home, I'm originally from Warwickshire, so I went to college in Warwickshire, worked on a couple of local farms in Warwickshire, then went off to New Zealand for a year, milked some cows in New Zealand, so that's good fun, bit of travelling, uh, come back and, um, and yeah, sort of settled into life really of, uh, of milking cows and uh, that was that really and then you know life progresses you meet somebody you get married you have children and a few years later I sort of through one or two things that we'll probably come on to later uh, found myself uh, working as a cattle hoof trimmer so I got into hoof trimming I was very fortunate to get into it basically uh, a friend of mine another hoof trimmer had broken his leg and uh, Paul and I helped him out you know, he was stuffed. He was, uh, I remember going around to see him. Um, I didn't really know Paul that well, but we had a lot of mutual friends. And he was literally sat in a chair um, with, a, with a bucket of wee next to him because he couldn't get out of his chair. And he, he was just like there all day, basically. And, and I left with his, uh, with his shoot, his crush and his truck and had it for the next sort of four or five months. And hit Paul breaking his leg was actually the best thing he ever did because he, off the back of that, he found out he had a dodgy heart and he had a quadruple heart bypass. So if he hadn't broken his leg, he would have dropped down dead two months later anyway. So that was, you know, good for Paul, good for me. Um, and then went to work for vet practice a couple of years. And then we left in 2016, I left and set up on my own. And here we are now, 2023, spent the last three years being chairman of the National Association of Cast Foot Trimmers in the UK as well. Um, Sophie's on the committee. You've you know, you've had done a podcast with Sophie there and stuff. So, been quite involved with uh, hoof trimming and been really involved with the, sort of the association. Teaching, learning is a real passion of mine, and upskilling, you know, getting the industry up to uh, the standard it you know it should be at. Uh, not chairman anymore, and now we're putting a bit more time into some mental health stuff and finding a way through that and trying to, like you say, what we touched on. I think I think we live in a world where mental health I think it's really easy to jump on a mental health bandwagon I think some I'm not saying people some would do that but it's a it can be a bit of a jump on sort of thing um but the reality is mental health is real I mean you know we work 
in an industry which has got the second highest suicide rate. Um, and that's awful. And, you know, I work along, I work with a charity based in Herefordshire where I live now. And, we, you know, we, we, we provide counselling for people. And, you know, you look at the actual demographics, demographic of those people. Quite interesting, it is a 50-50 split between men and women. But also that main band is that 30 to 50 year old demographic. They're the people. And I think something like this and a podcast and trying to open up and do stuff like this is a really good way to reach reach those people. I don't know what you, you know, what your thoughts are on that. But that's quite an interesting thought, actually, because, you know, <laughs> that's a very ex- difficult analytic to look into. I mean, how are you going to find that information? But uh, <laughs> Here, the more information that goes out there, if if people in this position are consuming that content, great. How how you target that is a different question. Mm. Uh, but it's really difficult because when you've got um, you know, I think young people in agriculture who work in agriculture, yeah, farming can be incredibly lonely. And I think you know, when I was growing up, and you <laughs> commented on my age earlier because you thought I was quite young, and I'm actually 46, which is um, a lot older than the way I look. But when I was growing up and driving tracks on a farm, you had to concentrate like mad. You know, you sat there and you were like concentrating. And if you got it slightly wrong, there's a bloke on the other side of the field, you've got two-way radio, and oh, you've gone wrong, your power harrow is not straight, or whatever it is, and, and you got it in the neck. Whereas now, on a tractor, you sit there, it's on auto steer, you know, there's all this technology that sits around you, and I'm not you know, taking anything away from the skill set of driving that machine, because there's a different skill set, because you've got that tech, but if you're getting up and down a 50-acre field, you've got a lot of time on your hands to think about. Yeah. You know, and I think and I think we need to look how, you know, that time in people's, you know, because if the mind's dormant, then the mind suddenly starts working, can work in in negative ways. So I think, you know, reaching out to young people can be easier because you've got things like colleges, you've got young farmers, you know, there's a big social stuff going on there. You can target people. I'm not saying everybody goes to college and I'm not saying everybody goes to young farmers, but we you can target a lot older people you know we we do like uh, <laughs> uh it's actually it's over 50s but the uh, farming sort of meet up every every last friday every month in herefordshire go to a different farm we can have some lunch have a farm tour walk around the farm the farm shows them around it's really good we get about we get like 70 80 people month in month out coming so that the buy-in to that is massive and mm-hmm. that's really good you know and that's fantastic because these a lot of these guys have yeah, they're retired farmers or they're retired farm workers and you know they, they absolutely love it they're going on they're seeing our farms have changed developed all the tech that's going on they're seeing that and, it, and it's such you know i i truly try and go and give up a day you know i could be i push a, a guy around called john and he's just the most nicest man his wheelchair pushing around and he's just just look at this look at this as a mate and he's just so impassioned by it but that middle ground that's really hard because people have got jobs they've got kids they've got yeah commitments they can't go have a day off a month to go to a farm you know your days of going out with young farmers has come to an end and the reality of having kids and financial pressure and all of those things that come with that i think that's the area that as a, as a, an industry we really need to look at how we reach that that's interesting and probably something i've never considered i mean i was chatting to my mum a few weeks ago and uh, I'm 26, and you also that gives you an idea of my age. But in the last eight years, I'm aware of people that I would class at least acquaintances that have committed suicide. There's uh, six, right, in that period of time. 
And that's kind of crazy, you know, that, you know, that, that, that age groups, probably similar ages, some wee bit older, some wee bit younger. And I'm probably not as, what would the word be? I'm probably not as involved with folk in that middle age gap. Yeah, sort of lower 30s, some of my friends are that age, but that sort of bang smack in the middle of their working life, not, not as involved in that social gap. And, and I think what's quite interesting is the two demographics you said that are sort of in some ways covered through those sort of farm trips uh, and and the young farmers and and uh, and being a student and stuff. So the young and the old are targetable from social media and your likes of newspapers, that sort of thing. I mean, we're, uh, my last question was, how do you target it? And I don't know what what your main tool stroke mechanism for getting to that demographic is. I, I don't know. I don't know what springs to mind to me. Just about everyone's on social media to some extent, mm. but are they in that side of? It? I don't know. Um, I, I think. I think if um, yeah, I think everybody is on social media to some extent. I think you know social media, and you could have a whole podcast, and you could talk about a hundred different things about social media, and, and it's it's fantastic in one hand, and it's it's an absolute evil on the other. And you know because everyone lives their best life on Instagram, everyone lives their best life on Facebook. Or whatever but quite often that's not the reality you know i was you know, talking to somebody the other week about a friend you know mutual friend and said, oh, you know, their life's amazing and i said and i said well like x y and z is actually happening in their life but you don't see that you know and and i think that's the thing and people look at that and think well this person's got the best life in the world but they don't actually see because you're never going to put you know generally i will put stuff on social media i will put stuff on facebook and i have done you know about mental health about my own mental health and about the battles and challenges that i face I, you know i'll put it on there um sort of warts and all and that's not to gain any attention because i'm not interested in, in you know sort of attention around it that's purely on the hope that somebody else will read that or watch it or whatever and think i can actually relate to that um reach out to me or reach out to somebody and do that and i think you know that's what you know that's a good potentially what a good thing social media could be but how you reach those guys you know whether it would be through a you know we've spoken about you know mental health podcast um you know the the, the worrying thing is about doing a mental health podcast is you know you'd never want it to be preachy yeah. you know that that's the thing i think there's a lot of you know the podcast is a really you know, it's a crowded field out there and the, but there's a lot of preachy podcasts and i think you know that's you don't want it to preach you want it to be actually to somebody sit and listen to that and go do you know what i can relate to that and whether you're talking to somebody in the bottom of that hole or at the top of the hole if that makes sense every part of that journey is relatable and i think it's really important that you cover that whole journey are you going to get people at the bottom of the hole no you're not and, no, you're and not. actually what i maybe should say is should you that you know it, it almost feels utilitarian but not focusing on the person in that situation mm. no um, i think you make a make a really good point there you're not you're not gonna you know if you're in that in, if you're in a spiral of depression and you're at that lowest and lowest ebbs you're not going to you're not going to want to sit and record a podcast you're not going to want to sit but hopefully by listening to somebody that has been in that situation that doesn't you know, come in and cross as preacher you can sort of think, actually, no, do you know what? You know, we can we can get through this. Because with any mental health stuff, it's really easy. You know, people have different... 
but the fundamental thing about it and you know talking to people that I know have been through mental health problems just talk you know it's talking to a counsellor it's talking to that that professional or it could be just talking to anybody and that's that's the sort of key to it because talking is you know, we're really good as a human race at talking and I think we don't do enough of it and I think it's really easy to, in this social media world where talking's gone you know where yeah. actually we are a, we're a social species you know we, you know we are we love socializing with each other and we can do that through social media but I think it has to run alongside actually do you know what it's now a face-to-face chat or a phone call or whatever that might be I th- I, I, on numerous occasions I've, I've referred to myself as a pack animal like um I'm a single guy at the minute I was in a relationship for, for quite some period of time and uh, I was used to having that person there and when they weren't there whether we we're studying in different countries or whatever which we've done see different countries Wales and Scotland but you know we weren't next to each other and <laughs> um, made that sound like Australia and whatever yeah. but uh, you know what I mean? You were, there was a distance. Yeah, yeah uh, distance. Uh, I would find groups of friends. I've always had big groups of friends. Like I am not good on my own, and I, I've always been conscious of that. Um, but then, like you sort of find a way of, of dealing with yourself, and you sort of learn who you are and whatnot. And like you said about the importance of of just speaking to someone. Like I used that loads of folk there to just talk stuff pretend nothing was ever wrong I was terrible for that I, I actually there's a podcast out there I don't know Neil if you know uh, Carol Devaney like unit just changed to, to YouTube um, like you as an EWE uh, he's got an apparel company for Sheeran but he um, I know him yeah 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 I know I have yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I went on his podcast once I don't think it's on his Spotify but it's definitely on YouTube and it, one of the things, it was just soon after I'd had this breakup and whatever, and it had been a big breakup because the person that was involved was a big part of my social media. They were all over that. Um, everyone that followed me knew who she was. Like, it was the same thing. And I'd basically come out and said, like, my biggest feeling is pretending everything's perfect. And I, I always done it since I was a kid. I was brought, brought up in a household of... of I, pro- I had it really easy as a kid, you know, really easy. And probably quite a proud family and I don't think having pride's a negative thing but I think it is it's one of those deadly sins or whatever you say isn't it but uh, I think there's a limit to it and I probably went too far you know I was proud of everything I had and then I almost got to the stage I had to protect this image and whatever and what he said to me was I thought it was so cool that you'd said that like you know not everything's perfect and then after a few months of some difficulty and whatever going to that counselling and just talking about that thing and just releasing like you it honestly felt like you were carrying 100 kilos in your back and suddenly you weren't and I, I can't stress enough this feels this maybe feels preachy at the minute and if it does I apologize but if you are listening and you're just sitting there and you're in a difficult time or it's maybe not even that difficult it's just different and you just want to shout at someone or talk at someone try counseling like I mean it's amazing I would I would recommend it to the absolute high heavens to folk it was amazing it, that person might be a friend but i feel like someone completely out with helps because you can you know uh, yeah you know, like you know my you know when i was going through uh you know prior to my sort of marriage and um, breakup and stuff you know i was seeing a counselor and and talking to that counselor made me realize that you know what was wrong was actually my marriage you know, I'd been in denial up to that point and I probably wasn't a very nice person and I was angry 
because yeah. I didn't want to accept that fact that the problem was actually my marriage. And then actually by talking to somebody, um, I realized it made me realize that actually, you know, what the problem is is my marriage. Um, that's that's the thing that I need to change, and that's what I did change. Uh, you know, and that was a you know huge turning point in my life. But I think you know you don't want to sound preachy. You don't want to say to them, "Oh, go and talk to a counsellor." And and I think wherever you are in the UK, you know, there is some really good, you know, and it's becoming more. There is some really good rural mental health charities, and I know you, you've got your big guys, you know, the FCN, um, uh, Rabbi, Yellow Wellies, and then. But if you actually go and you know dig down and look locally, you know, county wise, there is a lot of local county, uh, a lot of local sort of you know mental health rural charities in counties, um, and you can and that help is there. You know, and I think that's the thing. And it's a lot of these charities now, they run a text on. You haven't even got to talk to anybody. You can text somebody. If you're not comfortable talking to somebody, you can start a text conversation, you know, and then you can build up to that conversation of actually talking. And then you can build up to actually having a, a Zoom call with somebody and talking to somebody over Zoom or, or whatever it might be. And then you can actually build up, to, you know what, let's go and talk to this person face to face. And and that's there. And it's, and it's available, you know, it is available through, you know, we're in a really bad situation in the UK and where mental health and the NHS is, you know, the NHS hasn't got the resources to deal with it. Yeah. And, you know, if you go through NHS to get counselling uh, around mental health, you know, you're looking in some places, you know, eight, nine months, you know, eight or nine months, tw you know, 12 months to get that help. So, you know, we are really fortunate that in our sector, we do have some really good charities and they're there to help, you know, and they will. And I think it's just really important. I'm actually looking at trying to arrange a group podcast with RACBI, which is the Scottish RABI. Um, quite like to get that story out there. Uh, it's pretty much arranged. We're just waiting on a couple of things happening. So that will be coming if you're listening and you want to hear about that. But I, I'm going to ask a question that's deep to the point of arguably offensive in some ways. Is there a stage that we as people can't help someone is do you know what like i've never been close enough to someone that suffered to the extent that well i have been actually but it was never it never was final yeah there was never never anything finalized thankfully but is there a stage that we can't get in to help someone i think i think unfortunately the answer to that question has to be yes just yeah. because the statistics say yes. Yeah, and that's quite a hard but, thing to... But do they say yes to that, though? Do they, do they say yes to that, or...? I think they do, because because a lot of people that do commit... Uh, that, you know, take their own lives. And that, I knew he said... So I did a mental health first aid course a month or so ago, <clears> and, and the term commit suicide, that's something we need to completely forget, and I, and I just nearly said it myself. I actually because, agree. Yeah. Because... That was down to it was illegal to to commit suicide, so it was an offence. You know, up until I forget the actual date. I think it was. Uh, not even trying to guess the date, but there was a date and time that you know taking your own life was an illegal offence. That's when they said he's committed suicide because he's actually broken the law. So I think that terminology needs to be you know dumped, and it's about you know somebody's taken their own life, and I think when somebody you know quite often you look when somebody has taken their own life they they have um they have been receiving counseling they have been talking to somebody i'm not saying everybody um 
but there has been you know people are receiving that help and quite interestingly um when we were when we did this uh, mental health first aid course and that was something i wanted to do i sort of funded it myself well, no i want to go and do that and that that doesn't make me a counselor far far from it it's no different to you going and doing a first aid course a physical first aid yeah, course. For sure. you know it's about you know the, the best way to sort of um put a label on it is that you're helping the person to the ambulance you're not going to get in the ambulance with them you're not going to go to hospital with them you are helping to the ambulance so hopefully you can develop and learn skills to point people in the right direction to get that help but when people are at that point of of you know taking their own life um quite often you'll find that they suddenly become happy you know there's quite a lot of stuff around that because they've made that decision they have made the decision in their head that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take my own life. And all of a sudden, um, it's like a weight, it's gone. They took that, you know, all of a sudden, yeah, all my problems are going to go away. And that's, and that, and that's really, it's a hard and horrible thing to say, but unfortunately it is a little bit of sort of reality because they have taken that decision and then, you know, they go and, and they'll take their own life. And sometimes that leads a bit of a false, false negative, false positive almost because people think, oh, they were, yeah, quite often you might hear somebody saying, oh, they, they were so much better the two weeks prior. Well, they weren't. They just, they'd made that decision. And, and they'd made that decision that was what's going to happen. But it's, I think, I think as a society, you know, we're still quite afraid to talk about suicide. I mean, we shouldn't be. You know, don't, if somebody is suicidal, if somebody is thinking about it, talk to them about it. Don't hide it. Because you're not going to give, people will say, oh, if you talk about suicide, you're going to give them the idea. No, you're not. That's already there. Yeah, forget that that notion. You have to just talk about talk about it. And I was looking at one other question. I'm going to ask you what to talk about in a minute. But there's there's this idea, and I've I've actually I know you've listened to a few podcasts, Neil. Whether or not you've heard me say this or not, I don't know. I've said it on a few occasions on it. There's this term or idea or whatever movement. I guess it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. I disagree with that term in that I think it normalises long-term not-okayness. So, yes, it's okay to not be okay, but let's get you better. Let's work on this. Mm. Do you agree with that, or do you think I'm being too harsh on that? No, I don't. I don't, because, you know, um, I can talk about him. So my my, my brother-in-law... Um, you know, he, he's openly, and he's had uh, some really bad, bad, uh, you know, he's had a fight with with um, with depression. Um, and that resulted in a few things happening. And, you know, he was very poorly. Now, if you meet him, he is the life and soul of the party. Right. Uh, and he's got over that. Now, I'm not saying he's 100% better, and he'll be the first one to say he has to manage, you know, his demons. I don't like that word. But he has to manage his, his mental thoughts and manage it. But he's 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 in a he's in a ten times better place than what he was ten years ago, and that's that's really good. And I think even myself, if I look at myself and where I was, uh, how um, my daughters, uh, so I've got triplet daughters um, that are now ten, and if I look about when they were born, and that's roughly when I you know that's when I had my problems. You know, it's just to sort of touch on that, I suppose. Um, so I was a, I was a herdsman, I was milking cows, um, I was married, we had a son, uh, wanted one more, 
uh, child, two two kids, you know, perfect sort of family. He was two and a half, three, and then and yeah, my my wife, Eric's wife, she you know she fell pregnant with with triplets. There was no IVF, there was no nothing. It was just a complete and utter fluke. And and I got three amazing daughters and an amazing son that are you know beautiful and healthy, and that's amazing. But I was in a situation where I was in a job that was rubbish. I was in a tight accommodation, and I think a lot of people can relate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and my marriage on the face, you know, wasn't right either, which I learned, you know, later on. So all of those things pushed me, you know, I had to stop working and and I didn't, I didn't um, yeah, I didn't really leave the house much for about three months, to be honest with you. You know, didn't, you know, didn't want to get up, didn't want to do much, and was in a pretty, pretty bad place. Um, and I, you know, I love farming and I'm so pro-farming, and I think agriculture in the UK is a fantastic thing, and I and I love it. And I'll do everything I can to promote it. But I walked away from farming, and I had enough. I just couldn't. I couldn't take any more of it. And you know, I went and drove a lorry. I took tarmac onto the M5 motorway at night. It's the most mind-numbing job in the world. But it was like just like counting silage on steroids is the best way to describe it. Because you just drove these lorries really fast, full of tarmac, because you had to get them there. And that's what I did. Um, and then came back into farming. So I think, you know, from my own. My own perspective, I'm I'm better, you know, I'm I'm not saying I'm 100 percent better. I manage my own deep, you know, my own thoughts and my own feelings a lot better now. So you can be, you know, and I think, you know, there is there is hope there. There is you can get that help. And I and I did get help, you know, I could go see a counsellor for quite a long time, you know, to just to you know, quite often you'd find yourself talking about the same things, but it really helped. You um you're open about all this and and if if my questions are too invasive because of how open you are, just say you don't have to no, answer no, no. at all. But um, in that three months, what was going through your head? That sort of I went off work for a while, and you know what happened then. I think I was fortunate that I did have <laughs> something else to occupy my mind with, and that was the girls. So there was a lot of time in and out of hospital. So that was that was a that was a focus. So that was that was good, um, but I'm thinking I can't stay in this job. The house that we're living in isn't big enough. That was with the job, the tight accommodation. We haven't got enough money. How am I, you know, going to be able to provide for for this? You know, and that's quite hard because you, you know, with with one, we had a you know good you know my my um. My wife, she, you know, she worked part-time. I was full-time. We got one, you know, Henry. I made a good standard, you know, reasonably good standard of living. We could have a nice holiday. And it was okay. We weren't flash Harry's or anything like that. But we had a reasonable standard of living. And then you put three more into the mix. That changes massively. And and that, you know, how am I going to earn some more money to pay for this? Well, I can't because I'm working God knows how many hours a week on this farm anyway. And that's my salary and that's my job. I can't, I can't go and do anything else. It's, it's not physically possible so it was just a matter of yeah a, a lot of questions that I had to answer but I didn't know what the answers were and when you've got questions in front of you and you're like in this yeah you're looking into the mirror and you're just thinking oh, what am, what am I you know what and then and then the negative of that is actually you start to think that you're not good enough and that's 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 a tricky point because before you get to the point of answering questions, you go for a long, long way of actually, do you know what, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to be a dad to these four children. I'm not good enough to be a husband. I'm, I can't provide. 
and all of these forts are there. I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information on our primary sponsors, A-Plan Rural. A-Plan offer bespoke cover for farms and estates the UK over and will give you tailored insurance for anything on the farm from your old workhorse tractor that's been around 20 years or a fancy new and exciting diversification. Well, as a parent, I say that as if I am, I'm not. As a parent, I assume as your kids grow up, you 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 give them tips as to how not to scrape their legs, as to how not to break their arm when they're riding a horse or on the swing or whatever. Should we be talking about how to preserve mental health to our kids? I think I think definitely we we should. You know, you touched on earlier about um, students that you have coming through because they've come out the back of COVID, they've come out the yeah. back of some isolation, <clears throat> and then they're thrust into a, a, a completely different social environment, and that's that can be really hard because it goes back to the whole thing that you know we are a sociable race. We like to socialise. You know, that's always happened to a point, to a degree. Some people are more social than others, but as a whole, we do like to socialise. And, we, we, you know, we've been, we've, our children have not had that opportunity to do that for two years, you know, we've, you know by a bit, a bit of a break. So I think, you know, I was looking at my son's timetable for school yesterday, sort of sat after rugby, and there was, you know, wellness was one of his lessons, or right. I, think, I think it was wellness. And we spoke about that. So, what you talk about that? And, he, and he, they are, they are talking about, you know, not. I mean, I think there was probably a little bit around, like they might used to call it, like physical development when I was at school or something like that. Yeah. So, I think there was a bit, a little bit about that, you know, the dreaded sex education. He's thirteen, so he's a bit past that. But, but there would have been, there was a lot of stuff that he said. No, that is about mental health, and it's about, you know, and I think that's really, really encouraging, because I think children now, you know all kids have got these bloody things yeah. you know when I was at school if I'd had a rough day at school or you know whatever I'd go home shut the door I don't have to worry about it tomorrow you mm. kids go home from school now and it's it's there they never it's 24 7 just uh just for folk listening these bloody things I assume you could work out with phones but yeah do you sorry think, do you think and this is interesting because I mean this podcast for those that listen a lot is based on two things guided by me food and farming and then a lot of it is social media a lot of people I meet on social media and and my interest is that you know I'm very interested in it I've mentioned on a few occasions in the future I'd like to do a PhD in the potential impact of social media on farming like I'm really interested in it our phones this this is an interesting one because some folk are very black and white in this some folk are very much grey are phones a good thing or a bad thing for mental health? I think it's it's like anything. It's how you use it, isn't it? And it's self-discipline, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it is it is just stand self. I know I know a parent that shuts their Wi-Fi off at seven o'clock. Seven o'clock, they turn their router off. That's it. Forget it. You know, and they and they take the he says we can't watch Netflix, but well, that's fine. Don't worry about it, you know, themselves. And the kids go to bed, they haven't got to worry about them. And that's it. And I, you know, is that sort of an authority, you know, like, is that a bit of a, like a dictatorship? I don't know. But it's actually probably not a bad thing sometimes to turn around and say, do you know what? Leave that alone. Because I think we're all guilty. I'm guilty. You're probably guilty of spending too much time on my phone. You know, and there's that whole thing. I'll put a post on Instagram. Oh, how many people have like that? How many, you know, what interactions that? 
what interactions this this podcast had and and it and sometimes you're thinking about things whereas i think it's actually we overthink stuff i don't know you might disagree i don't think i disagree but what i would think of that example is is there a, a negative mental health impact in the sense that oh you know we Neil's always you can't speak to him after half seven because his mum and dad do this. Does that then become absolutely? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think I think you probably you probably right. It probably does. You know, it's it's really difficult because you just can't. How do you manage <clears> that <throat> social media? How do you manage what you know? What how do I manage me as a parent of a thirteen year old and three ten year old daughters? How do I manage what they're what they're seeing, what they're watching? And I can't. There has to be some trust, and there has to be. You know, I have to sort of hopefully I've brought them up and, you know, you know, now my ex-wife has brought them up in a way that there is. And, my, you know, my son, Henry, is he's actually pretty, pretty good. He doesn't, you know, he, he's good on his phone and stuff like that, but he doesn't sort of get too engrossed in stuff. And, you know, he'll wake up in the morning and he'll be on various WhatsApp groups at school. And there'll be like three or four hundred notifications on a WhatsApp group and where people have been sat at two o'clock in the morning on their phone that he's in class with the next day. Now, that's not healthy. It's, it's interesting you say that because, I mean, I'm much better now, but there was a two or three year period where I slept for one or two hours, right? And yeah. I don't think it was because there was any issues. I mean, some of the things we spoke about with the ex maybe reinforced it for a year, but <clears throat> I mean, I just did and I was perfectly fine and I, was, I wasn't someone that got tired. And what I did when I was on that, I would either go out a walk or I'd just lie in bed and I would probably do a lot of the businessy side of this podcast stuff and whatnot. And everyone said, oh, that's bad, that's bad. And I, I still question it. I still question if it's bad. Because... But you're <clears throat> managing what you're doing now, aren't you? But is you, that different? Just, is that different? Well, I think it is, because are you sat in bed at three o'clock in the morning scrolling? Oh, I pretty much never scroll, ever these days, to be honest. No, there, there you go. So, so what you're, the time that you're spending on your phone is, is around you know, your podcast and what you're doing. It's productive stuff. Now, and I don't think that is bad. And that's no different to somebody, you know, these people you sort of read about who get up at two o'clock in the morning and start writing whatever, you know, in the times gone, you know, past time by, you know, um, you know, they used to say about like, you know, Margaret Thatcher never slept, you know, she would be up at two o'clock in the morning working. Well, that's no different. You know, that's, I think that's just, that's progression. That's just time you've progressed on now that, that's on a phone, not compared to my fetch, don't we? Um, but it's um, <laughs> I've got a haircut all that often, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but that's the thing. Or is it time just aimlessly scrolling? But again, and, and I, I would agree exactly with what you've said. I would agree completely with what you've said there. But I know what a lot of people would say is so so I, I've got a bit of a I thrive a bit on productivity. It's fun to to get further ahead or do whatever, but it doesn't strictly mean it's good, but does like okay? Actually, there's two sides to this. Does it mean doing that is good, and also does it actually really mean that scrolling is bad? Because scrolling has this very negative name now, and I, I sometimes yeah. question: Is it as bad as we think? <clears throat> Maybe it is. I think it can and can't be when we all do it i think everybody you said you don't do it but very we all, rarely i do it, we all do it sometimes you know if i'm touching sometimes <laughs> i've got a block 
going off and so a notification will, and I've got the attention span of, of zero attention span, you know, <laughs> absolutely rubbish. And then, and I, and I can be like, and I'd be, you know, there'd be like a message on my phone and I'll open that and have a look and then I'll be like, oh, what's this? And, and all of a sudden, like, you know, uh, you know, 30 seconds has passed and I've seen some dancing chihuahuas and a, and a sort of like, you know, a, a, a cloud driving off a cliff or something. And you think, <laughs> oh, what, what, what's that? You know? So I don't know. I think, I think it's really interesting. I think, you know, potentially you're scrolling about, I don't know. I think maybe just screen time or time on, I don't know. I don't know how you, I don't know how you quantify it. I just don't know. It's, it's quite interesting. I, I caused a bit of a ruckus on my Snapchat story last week because, or it would be two or three weeks ago now, I had a screen time on my phone of 13 hours and my iPad of 12, right? Same day. <clears throat> and uh, that's not uncommon for me, right? because I'll quite often have, the iPad doesn't really count because it's normally just music or TV in the background, but the, the phone one is not uncommon for me. And I don't feel, and maybe this is part of an addiction, I don't feel like I'm someone that's, that requires my phone all the time. And I genuinely don't. I'm probably up for 20 hours though, but... So if I come up now and, and took your phone, your iPad, and took it off you for a week, how would you feel about that? From a social perspective, there's three people I'd miss messaging. Yeah. Uh, All right. No, I gave you that and I gave you a Nokia 6110. There's your phone to sort of, you know, you can send a text message, you make a phone call. <laughs> Let's just be really pedantic here. If you give me a phone that I didn't have to do the three buttons to get a letter, then fine. Right. I've got two answers here and, and I genuinely think these are true. I schedule all of my stuff, posts, podcasts, everything. <clears throat> if I was scheduled for that week, the things I would miss is when the thing come out, I like to make sure that all the sort of collaboration and all that's sorted, the other person's happy with it. I'd be annoyed then. I'd be like, really want to check. Um, and the random thing I would miss is I just post nonsense on my Snapchat story. That's probably the other thing I'd miss. I don't think I'd miss waking up and going on TikTok. I'd miss having music on, but I've probably got other ways of doing that. Um, but I mean, when, when you look at the app, like it's, <clears throat> uh, the the main thing is normally YouTube, which is listening to documentaries. Uh, mm. And the second thing is Instagram, which is me looking for folk like yourself to come on the podcast. Mm. No, okay. Yeah, of course I, I'd miss it. Of course I would. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that... And that's the thing. Maybe we just are a little bit too reliant on it. You know, it's that that whole thing, isn't it? When you do go somewhere and there's no phone signal, you know, I've got a couple of farms to go to and there's no signal. There's nothing. And I might as well just, I'll, I'll keep my phone on me because of music, because, um, you know, listen to music at work. But I love that. I know the phone's not going to be. I'm right. not going to get any stupid messages. I'm not going to get any Snapchats. I'm not going to get any of this stuff. And I just, and then, yeah, you do, you drive halfway down the road and it lights up like a Christmas tree and pings and pongs and you get what all do the notifications. What do you do then? Well, you look at I, I love that, man. It's really tragic, but I know exactly the situation you're talking about. I love it. Yeah, because also, yeah, because also, oh yeah, I am. You haven't spent your day looking for notifications. You actually yeah. have notifications, and that's. I think that's quite an interesting thing because quite often you can look for. Oh, have I got a notification? You know, oh, has this story been all right? You know, oh, what so and so for about my Snapchat? Whereas all of a sudden, actually, you get all this like bang, and then you go through it in, like in a lot less time, and you put your phone back down again. That's so, true. you know, it is, it's just, 
<laughs> it's just too easy. But I think, yeah, it is. I don't think it's a force for evil. That's at all. I think it's actually a force for good. I think I think it's just how we how we use it. And I think, yeah. you know, and I think that, that's important. And I think certainly in agriculture and farming, it's a fantastic thing because people are on their own for, for you know for a lot of time on their own. They are working on their own, whether it be sat in a tractor and a lambing shed and milking, but you know whatever. And it is a good thing to sort of, you know, you're not on your own because you have got a phone there and you have got you know other stuff there to you. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's a thing that I could speak about for ages. We've literally just sat and spoke about it for three quarters of an hour. Um, but <laughs> time flies by, doesn't it? But uh, well, actually, probably a couple more things on the mental health side. But I haven't actually really heard much about you, you know, to be honest. Um, you, you're involved in, this is purely from looking at Instagram. Let's see if I can remember the the two. Is it uh, We Are Farming Minds? Yeah, yeah, yeah we're farming minds, yeah. And um, oh wait, let me see. So, um, yeah, so so that's mental health for England, which is that is just uh, basically a training provider. So they provide and they put the the, the basis together for uh, um, the mental health first aid course, and they promote and do that, and obviously give the the tools there to the trainers that deliver that training. Um, so that's what that's exactly what that is. Uh, we are farming minds is a heritage based charity. That was set up about two years ago. Don't quote me on that. So set up by um, Sam and Emily Coles. Um, Sam had has had um, ongoing, you know, battles himself uh, with with depression, um, uh, and that sort of yeah, he did. You know, he has he has battled on with that. Um, he did try and um, take his own take his own life, and thank for goodness, you know, he didn't. Um, and I think what he what he realised, and what Emily realised as well, because you know she's equally equally involved with all of this. His wife is that there is really very little help in Herefordshire. Um, they're not Sam's. They're not native to Herefordshire like myself. Sam's originally from North from Yorkshire. Uh, Emily's from Chepstow originally, and they sort of moved around the country a little bit on various tenant farms, and they're on a, a, a duchy tenancy up in in Herefordshire. And they just realised that. Do you know what? This isn't really good enough. You know, there isn't that help out there. There isn't that help for the in Herefordshire rural community. Um, and there is a lot of good, you know, charities based in other counties, but Herefordshire, there wasn't one. So they set up We Are Farming Minds really on, you know, to try and um, you know, raise mental health awareness, um, which is really important, you know, to be able to provide support and counseling, because that's the biggest thing, is like I said earlier. You know, if you are going through mental health stuff, there isn't a huge amount of counselling available through the NHS. Yeah, there is more charities now providing that. And I think we are, you know, quite blessed in agriculture that we do have uh, the ones that we mentioned earlier. But so they set it up. We've got a helpline, 24 hour helpline, a text line as well. And um, we provide counselling for sort of 20, 30 people across Herefordshire. And um, we then run the over 50s uh, sort of. Well, I want to call it like day out uh, where we go sort of around a farm uh, last Friday of every month that that's just fantastic success that's that's just amazing it's brilliant uh, we connect with young farmers a lot um, we've got our own minibus that we uh, we ferry everyone around in to take them to the uh, to these days and that's that's really popular and a tool we've got a, we've got a big uh, we've got a concert coming up in the summer actually a bit of a festival with the Wurzels as a bit of a fundraiser and another another sort of um, Thing going on. So we're trying to arrange 
do more and more things, but we are, you know, sometimes we have to sort of take a step backwards because what, what we're finding is we don't want to grow too big too quickly. Does that make sense? Because, you know, the infrastructure has to be there in place to provide the support. So we are sort of going slowly, slowly and, and making sure that, you know, we do have the right infrastructure and we, and we are able to provide the support and we are doing that. And it's just, it's just really important. And, you know, you listen to people's stories and some of the people that are receiving counselling and it, and it's, it's tragic, you know, and, and like I said earlier, everybody's mental health story is different. Everyone's mental health story is individual. No one's is the same. And I think, you know, we just have to accept that. And I think I, I read something the other day, there was, um, I can, it's actually, it's all over Facebook, so we can, we can talk about it. There was a guy um, up in Herefordshire that um, took his own life recently. Um, he's in his fifties, a smashing guy, the life and soul of the party. Um, I can send you what's been shared. It's been shared a million times over Facebook. It's ridiculous. Um, and one of the things that uh, it says actually on the end of this, this quotation, and I'll just jab along was I find it, is um, talking about how you know mental health is is perceived. Right. Um, and you know one of the last. Um, things it said was really um, uh, what does it say in fact I can find it here but it's yeah well it's on my put it but it's um you know this is depression this illness is progressive and slowly eats away your sense of real it destroys your confidence to act, erodes your thought process and rots away your ability to use logic and leaves your head full to the point you feel that it physically bursts with no way of relieving the pressure, which in turn causes more corrosive force. And it's written, this is really well written well, it's written in a way that the good, the good Richard that took, took his own life and, and the Richard that was in the spiral yep. and it's one looking at the other in the mirror. And people will say, you know, we both, you know, you've got a beautiful wife and children. What's wrong with you? Just concentrate on that is a phrase we have both heard. But not being the person you think you should be, these immediate loved ones is nearly more of a burden. And I can, I can relate to that. There were times nearly resented this overwhelming love, as with all that was holding me here. All I'm desperately wanted was the constant noise in my head to stop, and it wouldn't. Which told me he felt the same. I'm not here to lecture on depression, but I just wanted to try and help people to see the daily pain that Rich was in. And people saying at his, you know, at his funeral, I've already heard today, if only you could have seen all these people here from, he wouldn't have done it. It's hard to understand. But the, ri but the rich you are here for did, did not want this to happen. The thoughts of other people's lives begin better as it wasn't here to drag them down as far as a selfish one. Rich didn't have a, again, it's talking about, you know, Rich didn't have a selfish body because somebody, there's often quite people trying to talk about people that, you know, do take their own life. They're selfish. They're not selfish. There's nothing selfish about that. That's, hate that, that. That. yeah, hate I hate it. it, you know, and, and I think there's a whole, it goes on, but I'll just finish on this. If this horrific disease was called an undetectable brain tumour and not just depression, it would be easier to understand. <laughs> and I think that's, I think that's really powerful. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah. And I think that I think that's really because people can relate to an undetectable brain tumor, but they can't, you know, you have to realise what it is. I like so that. I'll, I'll send you that. It's do you know, I remember speaking to someone, I won't say who they are. There there's two people both very close to me. And if they're listening, they'll know who they are and <clears throat> um, both mean the world to me. Um uh, two people from different walks of life, but we were speaking about depression and both of them they didn't strictly see it's the, the coward's way out, it's 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 what was the word you said? Um selfish. But they, they sort of believed that. And I remember sort of saying, like, it's so similar to what you've just said, that like the person you're thinking of that's the coward, that's selfish, whatever, is is a is a different person at that time. And you have and like that the mindset they're in is just I need out of this. And it's interesting, like you said, interesting and horrifically tragic that there's that period of time with some people that it just gets better. They're ready. It's done. They're at peace with it. Would that be the, t- I don't feel that's like that's right. the- they've, they've made that, they've made that decision that, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And, and quite often you will find, you know, and you, um, that where it's, you know, that decision's made all of a sudden yeah great i'm happy and everyone's like oh brilliant you know fred's really well now look at fred he's absolutely bouncing and then fred takes his own life two weeks later and that's because you know fred has you know made that decision two weeks ago or three Mm -hmm. weeks ago or two days ago no matter what it is they have made that decision you know and i think yeah it really it's i can cry thinking about it it's a really horrible horrible you know frank goodness i've never been at that point i've been pretty low i've been pretty pretty at a point where i think shit where am i going with this but i've never been at that door i've never made that cry for help and plenty do but i think we have to sort of it it can't be any shame or stigma around that we have to shift that shame and stigma and i think farming you know i think farming is changing massively for the for the better but it but it is still it's a masculine industry it's a raw man you know it's still a very masculine type industry and i think people you know we need to shift some of that a little bit and you know break down some walls and some barriers and i think farming is doing that and i think you know whether that be across race and sexuality and women in farming all these things that are a thousand times better that are improving i think you know i think race is improving sexuality certainly is improving um you know, women in our culture is massively improving. Mental health is that fourth thing that we need to get moving at the same speed as the others. Do you know, it's interesting to hear you say that. I know you're good mates with Flavian. Um, and an avid Flav on the podcast. And I uh, interviewed him before the podcast. And just following him, I mean, he's great. Uh, the, the things he does for sort of speaking about casual racism and that sort of thing in the sector is brilliant. But the thing I would say is I would dispute what you say regarding sexuality and the rest of the LGBTQIA plus community. Uh, I really struggle to see how we're going in the right direction in that side of things in this in this sector, genuinely. And I'd love to be corrected on that, but so many I've seen, I'm like, Jesus, man, how do we defend this? And, and I can't, and I don't want to. Um, I, think, I think it is moving. Maybe it's not <clears> moving as fast as what it's like you know we're quite quite fortunate you know where i live we've got um there's two three openly gay farmers that that have you know become out openly gay in the last you know it's probably in the last few years 
mm. that, that transparency has been there. And and I think that's brilliant. I think that's, you know, that's really good. Now, I'd love to get any one of those guys and sit down with them and talk to them about, you know, what the challenges they face. I think that would be a fantastic sure. subject, you know, to, to be able to talk about that. But, yeah, I think they're probably... But those people are, are all younger. You know, there's probably some people that are probably a little bit older that are not in that bit, you know, in that situation. So, yeah, I think it's. I think all of it needs to improve. I think no matter what what it is, nothing ever stops improving, does it? We're never going to get to the to the sort of the best point. We always no. need to improve what we do. It's here. Maybe I'm being negative on it, but if if you're interested in this, go look at. <laughs> this is where I show that I have a ridiculous number brain. Uh, R2 cast number 23 was with uh, James Herrick, who you may or may not have heard okay. of. Um, he works for, uh, he worked well, he does, no, he doesn't work for it. He does some freelance for the Farmers Weekly, but he's a farmer at the end of the day, uh, is his main thing. And uh, he talks about, I mean, he's the, the sort of, I think in his words, the typical privileged white male, uh, white heterosexual male. Um, but he spoke about this thing. He did a competition, the Farmers Weekly. <clears throat> it was Pride Month. This was a few years ago. This would be two or three years ago. Uh, he did a competition where, I mean, he wasn't the only one. He sort of spoke about it in the Farmers Weekly. Um, Massey Ferguson basically put out a thing to all the schools in England, decorate this tractor for Pride, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, this cool track, I can't remember exactly, but I seem to remember it was pink and there was a rainbow across the wheel arch, which was really yeah. cool. And they... Uh, that was fine, and that in itself was positive. But he went into the comments section, and it was a lot of... I'm not going to say the terms. like You you know what they are. Um, yeah. And and he put it so well, so well. He said, imagine you're that 14-year-old trans girl or you're that 13-year-old uh, homosexual boy, and, you, and you're looking at, at, oh, I wonder what I'm going to be when I'm older. Oh, there's, there's really good farming Instagram, farming Facebook. This is class. Let's look through all this. And then it's all that. You're like, the fuck am I going to be going and working in that industry? You know, like that, that, that's more what I'm talking about. It's the whole, it happened a lot with George Floyd when all that happened. It came out, it's not enough to not be racist. You've got to be anti-racist. And, and it's the same with anything that is involved in any form of minority or looking at discrimination or whatnot. And that, maybe I was wrong to, to say I disagree with you and say that we're not moving in the no, right direction. Probably I not. think you're we are moving in the right direction, but I think like a really valid point is that, you know, people now do feel, so they taking on sexuality, people do feel more comfortable to come out and that's brilliant and, you know, and be openly open about their sexuality, no matter what, what, where that fits in on that, on that sort of thing. The other, the other sort of, but then there's a lot of people that are not, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's the, that's the thing. There's a lot of people that are not, comfortable with that and they're the people that are going to be the ones that shout and then through anything you get keyboard warriors and I think you know that's that's always the thing is you know is you always get that person who's going to put that you know that negative derogative comment on there and I think you just got to try and ignore that noise so I think I don't think we're nowhere near where we should be but I'd like to think we are moving in a, in a forward direction we are we absolutely are yeah and I completely agree with that I maybe just thought maybe it was you know I just think we're further behind with that than we are with race, for example. Uh, but yeah, here, here's this. It's one of those topics, man. You could sit and talk about this for 
weeks and it's, it's it, and that's what we should be doing actually that's it's good that we're covering these topics but um t- tell us a bit about your life so drummer yeah it's going to be more fun so um so yeah so we, yeah let's talk about sort of what was here to talk about um so yeah so hoof trimmer so we trim i trim i work on my own so yeah i just occasionally have a bit of help but yeah I work on my own i cover sort of uh, south gloucestershire a little bit of back up to home in uh, my native Warwickshire, um, Herefordshire, bit of South Wales, bit of North Somerset, about anywhere about an hour and a half away from where I live. Um, tomorrow I'm 10 minutes down the road, which is heaven. Um, <laughs> so, so we do that. We tr- I trim about anything between today was actually an easier day, but normal days would be anything between 50 max now, about 100 cows a day. Um, run a great big hydraulic. Uh, shoot trimming shoot because that's the thing I think as an agriculture we need to move away from the term crush because if you said to somebody on the street we're going to put this cow in a crush they'd be horrified so I think shoot's a much better term so I, I, I do try and use shoot as much as I can as a terminology um, and yeah that's me you know I'll go on and try and run my little business as best as I can and and trim some cows and uh I, there's always this idea in just about anything that prevention is better than a cure but with your thing we're looking at hoof health in my head it's something that I feel like prevention is better than a cure, a cure in this sense more than just about anything else and um, how does it sort of work how are you routine I assume most of your trimming is routine trimming but that could be wrong um, no, no, you're absolutely right so mate so all the all the trimming you do you know, I'm really fortunate my business is, is quite well established. I've got a good customer base. You know, tomorrow's farm, I know very well they're going to put out the right, because it's really important when you're trimming cows, it's actually uh, really important when you trim a cow. So you want to trim a um, sort of anywhere between sort of 70 to 120 days after she's calved. This is a milky okay. cow I'm talking about. And then you want to trim her at drying off before, you know, you just dry her off there before she has her rest. Now, so two trims a year which that sort of suits most farms on sort of like tomorrow's farm which is a, a robot farm really high health standard cows are housed we trim them cows three times a year just because they're not getting right. natural wear you know we are you know because that's what we're trying to do we just want to make that cow as comfortable as possible because the thing about you know hoof trimming and it you know hoof trimming and social media is massive and there are guys out there who are just nailing it and killing it and doing fantastic but i think I know I'll put stuff on my social media, the odd sort of odd um, video with uh, some pus dripping out of cows for us or something like that. But I just think that's really good. But it's really important to sort of note that when these people are treating these cows, they're actually making that cow better. You know, that's the thing. They are, you know, they are making that cow a hundred percent comfortable as well. But we want to do more routine trimming. You know, routine trimming is is your answer. If you can routine trim all your cows, you and you you're not going to you also have lame cows. Anyone who says hasn't got lame cows is a liar. You know, that, that's the reality. The best farm in the world will have some lame cows there, but they'll have a lot less. You know, and that's, that's the thing. And, you know, cows are, cows are really good at hiding pain. You know, they're prey animals. They, they still think they're going to get eaten by a wolf, you know, and that's the thing, you know, so we, they mask it really well. So by routine trimming, we can make our cows more comfortable. And that's what, you know, I think far, farming, you know, is becoming more and more the public eye public perception and this is where i do draw a line sometimes with these you know videos on tiktok or youtube or whatever and it's all this person stuff and i think hold on a minute you know it's not all about that it's actually about we're trying to make these cows healthier but those algorithms push those 
videos with puss and all the rest of it to the top because they're the ones that people are watching no one wants i can put a video up of it of me trimming a cow tooth and it's be- and i'll finish trimming that and put it down and i get home and i'll look at that's amazing that's beautiful i'm really proud of that that's that's like a carbon to carbon you know beautiful piece <laughs> of wood I'm, I'm chuffed i'll put it on instagram and it will get you know two followers and one of them is you know two likes and one of them is my mum you know whereas you put a video on there of some bloody pus squirting out of a cow's fur and half of Brazil's going wild, you know, over and that, that's the reality. And you think, oh, this is just bonkers. And I'll yeah. be honest, I don't get it. <laughs> like, you know, the, the famous example's Graham, isn't it? Graham Parker. And I mean, I'm really good friends with Graham. So we did a lot of training together. So I've known, me and Graham started off at the same time. You know, I'm, I'm good mates. So I don't speak to him as often as I, I used to. Um, but we are, you know, I've got a lot of time. For, I've got a huge amount of respect for Graham because what he has created, he's done himself. You know, that when I first met Graham, he was using his own shoot that he built himself. You yeah. know, he didn't have anything flash and fancy. He's worked incredibly hard. He's going up and down Scotland for his branding cattle. He's put a shift in. And then he was creating this content, going home, editing it all on his, you know, himself. And he's created that, that global brand. I mean, I will say he has got absolutely crap taste. You know, he will buy a beautiful car and then spray it green. And I'm just like, what? You've just bought a Lamborghini and you've sprayed it green. You are absolutely... He's like the Mario Baratelli of the hoof trimming world. He has zero <laughs> taste. <laughs> well, do you know what? It's, it's, what I was going to say was, you know, my mum and dad watch... I mean, well, my dad mainly watches great about YouTube and, and Hoof GP is one of them. And just coming in and, and sitting listening, it's it's just calm, yeah? Like, it's nice and it's enjoyable. But see the actual, like, the pussy stuff that sells man it's not up my street i am not a fan of that sort of thing i'm just uh, i'm way too scared people love it people love it you know there's, it? there's videos of mine that have had millions of views and that's yeah. just like and i don't put any effort into all that i don't come home and sit and edit stuff i'll film something on my iphone and sort of edit it a bit on my iphone and stick it on there and, you know that's it uh, but yeah he will put a huge amount of effort and fair play to me he puts mileage in and he's created right. something that you know he has done something pretty amazing well so. he's the biggest carbon youtuber in the world yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah you know he is and i think that's, and he lives about know, 50 miles that way from me <laughs> yeah 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 no, he, every year when i see him i say oh you know he's, oh, you must come up now and i never i never do but I, I must do even if it's just to say you've got great taste in cars but you, you just paint them all the crap <laughs> um well, I, you know, one question that i asked sophie um and I asked Graham when I interviewed him, uh, and it interests me. How long does it take for uh, one that's routine treatment for you to do all four, all four hoofs? I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2 cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, The Scottish Farmer. And I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. In the in the Appleton shoot that I use now, it's just routine trimming. It's about calorie three minutes. Right. Well. Yeah. Yeah. You get your routine. Yeah. Tomorrow you'll be on about fifteen cows an hour, something like that. For one right. person, fifteen, sixteen cows an hour, you can get up to. You know, about sort of. Breaking. If you've got two people on the machine, it'll increase more. And it's it's just yourself, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Would 
would you ever get to the stage that you'd want to take someone on, or are you happy where you are? No, I don't. I don't want the hassle. To be honest with you, right? You know, it's, it's, it's purely a selfish decision. You know, I've seen guys that have expanded their businesses, and that's great and good, good for them. Um, but that's not just something that, that floats my boat. I like, you know, I'm in a position that, you know, if I trim forty cows, I'll come home, at, you know, in the early afternoon, and I'm much rather come home and we're doing this house up and do stuff around home or whatever. You know, I'd much rather do that than worrying about getting trimming some more cows somewhere to pay somebody else's wages well that's it exactly and that's it exactly and you've got to find a bigger region if you will and or maybe even another region uh yeah no i totally get that i totally get it. and sophie had said something similar you know it's her and her dad but yeah i mean i was with sophie last week and you know sophie's just she's brilliant you know she's so it's really interesting i i, I thought i I've listen, listened to quite a few podcasts so i haven't listened to sophie's one so I listened to it today. I thought, I'm going to listen to this. You know, I don't want to cover the same same ground. And well, we haven't covered any of the similar ground at all. Definitely not the same ground. <laughs> but, but I, you know, listening to Sophie, and she said about herself being quiet. Well, I can remember the first time I met Sophie was, in, I don't know, about, it was been like five or six years ago at a conference. We have, so the National Association of Classical Culture has put on a, an annual uh, lameness conference. We just had it. It's just in Coventry on a farm. And we move it around the country. So it's in Bristol last year. It's been in Nottingham. It's been in Liverpool. We move it around. We have talked about bringing it up to your part of the world. We should do because there's a lot of hoof drums up there. Oh, and then, yeah. um, and I remember um, talking to you know, meeting Sophie. You know, and she wouldn't say boo to a goose. She right. was as quiet as anything. And it was like, who's that girl? And I knew, I knew you know, dad's uh, been doing it for such a long time and a really well-known, respected guy. Right. And then, and I was like, oh, that's that's mm. yeah, your turn. I was like. All right okay fair enough and, and, and that was it you know but whereas now Sophie's in the the middle of the room you know leading the charge and she's chatting away and talking to people and you know absolutely brilliant I just think that's just that's just amazing it's just great you know that she's, she's done that it's really really good I mean I can't actually remember at this point if it was off camera or on camera but I said like you know in my job seeing folk grow is just the most rewarding thing on the planet it's, it doesn't have to just be in students like that's that's lovely to you I love that sort of thing yeah, no, and she has, and she's and she's such a she's such a, a great advocate for our industry. You know, she's so passionate, and it's really you know you talk about women. We have got um, there's probably I don't know we're up to uh, four or five sort of independent you know women female right. hoof trimmers. You know, now the, you know there's a there's a girl who works up in the Orkney Islands, Julie, and I sort of I did a bit of mentoring with her and stuff, and talking to her and helping her and stuff like that. Just I've never met her. It's just been purely over again a social yeah. media friendship, and. Um, she's off around doing all these balls of a you know on her own right up in Orkney you know and I thought I think that's amazing I, I you know she sends me these pictures of you know she's going on some islands and she's going here and I'm like I just want your life and I just <laughs> come and sort of swap for a week because that just looks amazing um yeah, I don't know if you know that I'm from an island yeah. I know I had yeah 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 island boy not Orkney not no the most south most southerly island in Scotland actually um I always quite like to ask folk, I know yours is maybe a wee bit of a shorter story, Neil, but about the sort of social media thing, did you always intend on being a hoof care guy on Instagram? No. 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 I, no. I just treat it as a joke. I don't, you know, I'm quite... <laughs> I get that, mate. <laughs> I just, I just, because to me, it's, I understand that people like, you know, people like say, all right, we're talking about Graham. People like Graham make a living out of it. That's his living. You know, trimming cows is not Graham's living. Forget that. You know, trimming cows gives Graham his content that then yeah. makes him living. 
and and that's and that's and Graham loves trimming cows. He still goes out trimming cows five days a week, whether whether it be five or fifty, he loves it. And I really respect him for that because there's quite a few YouTube guys trimming cows. They're absolutely immaculately clean. Oh, here's me trimming this cow. Graham is covered in poo. He's got hoof clippings in his beard or in his afro, and you know, and he's he's all over it, and that's great. So I respect him for that. But for my personal thing about social media and stuff. You know, my Instagram just suddenly went up overnight because I don't know algorithms and whatever, and you just I put a video out there that was liked a lot, and it just it shot up really quickly. Um, so so I'm more of the opinion I'll put hoof trimming stuff on there, but I'd much rather put stuff about mental health. If I can reach more mental health stuff for it, then you know, then all that was all that's a far better use for it. So it is um, just a, it's a bit of fun for me. I I see that it's great, I'll, and you've um. You've been on the We Are Farming Minds Instagram a bit as well, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen you sort of pop up here and there. If you are listening, go check out uh, Neil's Instagram page. NJB. NJB, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go and check that out. Or even just head over to, um, you know, head over to um, the We Are Farming Minds one as well, more importantly, and have a look at that stuff. It's so clear that that's your thing. Like, mental health is just, that's what you're passionate about. That's, even more so than your job. Like you can see this as like, I, I, I love trimming cows, I, you know, and I'm in, a, I'm in a really fortunate position because, you know, trimming cows is great. It's actually also about, you know, the farm I'm going tomorrow, you know, I, they're really good friends, you know, yeah. they, they'd be, and I enjoy seeing them, chatting to them, you know, seeing their children, having, you know, what have you been doing? What have I been doing? That's great. Same on Wednesday, you know, same on Thursday, same on Friday. You know, I think actually you think this week, you know, tomorrow's farm been going there six or seven years. Wednesday's probably about eight years. Thursday's eight years. Friday, Friday's a bit newer, but I've known that farmer for a long time as a friend yeah. before I was doing their trimming. So that's brilliant. I'm going around. I'm doing a job I love. I'm done. I'm talking to people that I really like. What's not to like? Yeah, that, that's you know that's that's fantastic. And then if we can slot some you know a bit of mental health stuff in around the sides and push that, then that's better. You know, and I and I'm positioned. Yeah, you find that people do come and talk to me on farm. People will come and chat, and that's nice. You know, if people yeah. want to come and talk, and that's, that's really, really good. You get fed pretty well. <laughs> do, do you know what? No. Tomorrow's farm, yes. So the, the, the pews where I'm going tomorrow, fantastic. They'll, we'll have a baker sandwich in the morning um, and whatever. But you talk about um, – but the majority of my farms, we, yeah, we get a cup of coffee, but that's about as far as we go. But you talk about Julie up in, uh, up in Orkney there. And then, oh, it'll be something else. Oh, she puts these pictures on her Snapchat and stuff, and I've been brought out of this. I'm like, what? You know, not only are you in the most amazing countryside, you know, trimming these beautiful, big, you know, beef animals, and then they're bringing you out like this sort of five course meal. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, I really have gone wrong here. Well, I don't, I don't know if that's a Scottish thing or if it's an island thing or what. But I mean, like, we, the farm I'm on is a sheep farm. It's it's about six hundred and thirty, six forty breeding ewes. And uh, <coughs> I know for a fact the shearers leave my mum and dad's farm until the, at the end of the run that day because it's like, I mean, you're saying a five-course meal. I'm not joking. Over the course of six hours, they probably get like a a big lunch, like a sort of two-course lunch, sort of buffet lunch, and then it's like a three-course meal. And yeah, like, I love yeah. going back for shearing, man. It's a, it's a top meal. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah, no, it, it's, um, yeah, you know, unfortunately, yeah, not they're not as... Um, good I've, I've got some you know hoof trimming obviously it's a worldwide thing and then um, and i've got a couple of really good mates in italy and right. when i went to 
I need to go. I went to Hitsy on holiday last year, but I need to actually go and spend some time with those guys. Man, the stuff they put on. They, really? they asked, oh, it's just this whole cheese board of beautiful Italian cheese and meats and, and a glass of wine. And I'm like, and then there's all this beautiful Italian countryside in the background. And I'm just thinking, again, we need to move. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, how much would it cost to move to Italy? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. So, this is a question that you do not have to answer at all, just, just out of interest more than anything. How does the payment work? Is it per cow? Is it per hoof? Is it per time? Is it, how does that work? So it's per per cow, yeah. Right. No, it's per, it's, you charge per cow. Some guys go on an hourly rate, and you know sometimes you can be on a farm. And it's taking all days to get the cows in the in the in the shoot, and you think oh, I should be charging hourly here because it's yeah. taking all this time to get them in. But it, yeah, it's done. You know, um, done on, on a you know per cow rate. And, and most farmers now, you know, they realise that, and they obviously want to get they want to get the cows in and out as quick as you can. So you know, you know the one. I don't think there's many negatives around TB testing, but one of the positive, or well, there isn't many positives about TB testing. I was going to say, are you sure? No, 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 sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, completely wrong. But the only positive, one of the one positive is, is that majority of farms now have invested in a decent handling system because yes, of right. the because of the frequency of testing of cattle. So that, for my job, has benefited me massively because a majority of farms now will have a nice race on that. Because end of the day, a cow wants to lie down 15 hours a day. You know, that's that's a dairy cow is it's 15 hours a day is, is optimum. That's what you want to be lying down for. And if you take out some milking and feeding, you know, they don't want to be standing waiting for the hoof trimmer for two hours either. You want for to sure. get that cow through that shoot as quick as you can and back to its food and its bed and lying down again. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, just what, what's TV like in your area? It's really bad. Yeah. It? Yeah. We, so, yeah. It's, it's, it got, I think it's probably slightly improved. Um, and there'll be some of my friends listening to saying you're talking rubbish. I think it probably has a little. You know, we've we've been in the call that has had an effect, and that call's been going off a long time. But how the call worked, it, it sort of, it was like an ever de- you know decreasing circle. It just kept going out. So the point in the middle. So you do a call there for five years, and then that call would stop, and then it, the next area out of it would be the yeah. next five years, and then you know, and it kept moving out and moving out like that. Um, but you know, one of my farms, they're milking five hundred cows. It's a big dairy. They lost sixty four. About two three months ago so it's, from, you know, it, it's it's sad you know it's massively sad for the animals it's massively sad for the farm's business cash flow you know you take 64 cows out of your milk tank out of your bulk tank that's some serious that's a lot of cash flow and i think that's what people you know don't realize and again i mean that you know i've been on a situation as a herdsman on farm and tb and i don't know if you're aware for cows too heavily pregnant they can't uh, they won't. They won't take it to the slaughterhouse. They'll shoot it on yeah. farm, but they don't shoot the calf. The calf's alive, so the calf dies. You know, and I had that happen to me. You know, and that absolutely just destroyed me. Yeah. You know, I just, I couldn't believe. It. I was like, what what sort of world are we living in here? We're shooting this cow that's going to calve potentially might calve next week, and we just shot it, and the calf's just had this horrible fucking long death inside it. People don't realise that. You know. This, no. the, the, the harsh reality, you know, that is just one of the harsh realities of many around TV. It's, it's, yeah, it's not something that hits us bad up here. I mean, Scotland's known as TV free, but yeah. TV, TV free means one in a thousand, less than one in a thousand. So it's yeah. not TV. It's absolutely not free, but by definition it is. Um, 
and the one experience I had, I mentioned earlier with the pus and the, the, that sort of thing, that I'm quite squeamish. The one experience I had was an inconclusive reactor on a farm I'd worked at. And uh, it had to get put down. And we were given a chance to get the calve out in the two and a half minutes, I believe, after. And I was like, this is wrong, man. This is not how we should be doing this. Right. Uh, I know. Right. And as it went, but as it went, it was inconclusive because it wasn't TV. You know, mm. and I'm like, what the? Oh, man. Like, no, the, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I know farms that are, you know, obviously, um, if they've got a cow that's um I, I know of you're gonna wear you know estimates and stuff like that's been used, I don't know, you know, just oh, to get, yeah, to get the calf out. I know that has happened, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, just to try and get a calf out and stuff because yeah, yeah it's it's horrible. It's a horrible situation. You know, and I think you know it's, yeah, it's 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 pretty yeah, it's awful. I think, you know, I can remember growing up in Warwick, the T V wasn't an issue. You know, we we tested every four years. It was just just so TB testing, what you know, yeah. you, see, you know, people only see it a couple of times in their lifetime. And whereas yeah. now, my friends' farms up in Warwickshire, they're on, you know, some of those guys are on sixty day testing, and it's just rubbish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you, because I, I mean, the, the rules and regulations change. I'm not going to get, but yeah, if you do have a breakdown and you got on sixty day testing, and I don't know how many sixty, you know, after you done clear, I think you have to do another sixty day test. And I think it's two, two clear sixty days. I think. Yeah, but yeah. you can, you can be in a situation when. You know, it's just dragging on one or two at a time. And then they'll do a blood test and do the gamma blood test and then whack. You'll work on about 10% of your herd on a blood test. You start to wonder if it, I mean, I'm sure if you're in that position just eternally, you probably start to think, oh, am I even going to continue this? Like, this is just... Well, it does. I mean, that's what, that's what you know, pushes, that does what push a lot of people out of, you know, out yeah. of dairy farm. Yeah. You know, why would you? Why would you be going through that? Oh, 100%. No point. I mean, just... And when we spoke about mental health, Jesus Christ, that would knock it. Um, yeah. I'm a, a bit close to time, you know, but one thing I want to ask, speaking, well, not speaking of, but considering we are two bearded men on a podcast, um, mm. you were on quite a famous podcast recently. Uh, as someone who knows nothing about rugby, I um, don't know much about this guy, but I, I did look him up and he does have a fantastic beard. Um, tell, us about, okay. tell us about the podcast, tell us about Joe Marler. Yeah, so that was all a bit of a, um, bit of fun. I I commented. I like Joe. I think um, Joe's somebody going back to mental health. He he has had issues, and he has really talked publicly about that and talked about how he's dealt with that. So I, I've got a huge amount of admiration for Joe because he's top of the game. You know, he's an England rugby player, uh, and he's you know he's done that. So I commented. He has a podcast, and he talks to anybody. He talked to you. He talked to me. He talked to anybody. You know, he just wants to talk to people, and I and I love that because I like talking to people. So as you probably guess, and um, so it, <laughs> so I commented on his social media about two years ago, just saying, oh, you know, uh, it was a comment on there. What do you do? What's your job? And I put bovine beautician, and uh, and um, and he just. It's just got a, a generic reply saying, Oh, that's awesome. We'd love to have him on the show. But you know, the guy before might have put, you know, university lecturer. Oh, oh that's awesome. Yeah. You know, love to have him on the show. You know, that type of thing. And then about November, I randomly got an email from the producer saying, Oh, we'd like to have you on the show. So I'm thinking, all right, okay, fair enough. Um, this is a joke. Nothing really happened. Christmas went by. Um, then he, he got in contact again and said, Yeah, we'd like to have you on. Um We'll do a you know do a Zoom call and I said well I'll be on farm he said it's one o'clock on a Wednesday and I said well I'll be in a cubicle shed so literally just you know producer Ryan 
never really set foot on a farm. And here I am holding my phone, having this sort of a Zoom conversation, a bunch of cows behind me. Um, did that and then got to the Monday, got an email saying, um, look, uh, we really like Neil, but we've filled our recording slots and uh, and we'll be in touch for the next bunch. And I just thought that's a bit of a fob off, you're not very really interesting. For sure. Um, and, and then literally, yeah, got home on Tuesday night, looked at my phone, Joe Marners, you know, he's scrolling, you know, looking at your phone on Instagram. Joe Marners all suddenly following me. Why is he following me? You know, and then and then with that, yeah, got an email saying, do you want to come down on the Thursday? The farmer's meant to go to the Thursday. He's the president of the local rugby club. So I was on the phone to him. I said, you're not going to believe this. I said, but, and he's like, no, no, go and get something signed for me while you're there. You know, yeah, so... Yeah. And then that was it. So I shot down to London and recorded this podcast. Joe had no, no idea about hooching, but again, Joe is one of these people that sits at home watching hooching videos. Yeah, yeah. So he That's knew all. He knew, you know, he, he knew about the whole person. He said, "I love watching the knives work and all that." So yeah, he's a really nice guy. He's a top guy. I know there's a bit of a people think, "Oh, he's a bit of a wally," but he's not. He is right. a sound. He is a sound guy. He he does act the fool, but he is a really passionate guy. He's passionate about people, you know, and he talks openly about mental health so he's got my vote and wonder you know, if he wonder if he wants a young lecturer on <laughs> no it he, he, he would he would he would Don't but he's, um, it, yeah it was good fun and yeah again it opened up you know some doors and stuff like that to talk about more mental health stuff than pimple popping yeah for sure that's it it's here and it's two things that have came to the venue yeah um no your man's been an absolute pleasure I had a feeling when when uh, we had a chat at first, I was like, this is going to be one of those ones that I'm not going to be trying to scrape past half an hour. <laughs> it was not. <laughs> uh, no, we could go all night. Oh, mate, there's there's a few folk I've been on with over the years where I'm like, Jesus, I could have been here till two in the morning. Um, but uh, life, unfortunately, dictates tonight. But uh, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate you no, coming on. Um, I do have two questions for everyone that is on the podcast. And quite excitingly, this is the last two questions before we move on to three three figures of episodes, which is quite fun. So you can have three questions, questions though. That's what you should do on your next. You should get it from two to three questions. Just getting too much, man. It's just getting too much. I can barely remember <laughs> two. <laughs> um, the two questions are. Oh, should I try to come up with a third one? Right, let's see. The three questions are: one, where do you see yourself in five years? Two, if you had any tips for folk coming into hoof trimming, what would they be? And three, what beard products do you use? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, alive! <laughs> right, where do I see myself in five years? Um, hopefully, still trimming cows' feet because I actually love to enjoy doing that. That's important to me, and hopefully, doing a lot more around mental health. And yeah. if we can reach more people in all seriousness, you know, through farming minds, through any medium possible. Yeah. And just getting people to talk, that would be my greatest sort of uh, achievement, really. That, that's really important. Um, in terms of how to get into hoof trimming, is it's like anything, and you'll, you'll love it, Santa, invest in yourself. That's all right. I say. It's really, it's really, because there's no legislation around hoof trimming in the UK. Anyone can become a hoof trimmer, and it's an absolute, you know, and it will, it is going to change in the next few years, but it has to be an act of parliament, and parliament's always busy with something else, and hoof trimming, you know, is is not a top of the priority list. Um, but milk buyers do put pressure on farms to say, well, look, we want somebody qualified. You know, we want somebody who's done a level four qualification. We want somebody that's 
done the Dutch diploma that is part of an association, you know, to coming onto your farm. Because the last thing you want to do is some, you know, cowboy rocking up. So it's really easy to go out, borrow a fancy, borrow, buy a fancy shoot and then trim a load of cows and do it badly. Mm-hmm. You know, my, the, the best hoof trimmers I know are the guys that have actually started off with a small little shoot and they've spent the money on themselves. They've invested in training and you know, yeah. invested in their training. They've got the knowledge. They've travelled. Take some days out. Go and, go and you know, buddy up with another hoof trimmer for free. You know, no one is going to turn around and say no. You know, you've got some really <laughs> great hoof trimmers up around by you and all of those guys are open. If you rang up Graham and said, Graham, could I come, you know, work with you for a couple of days? Graham would say yes. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's two or three guys around Graham that would all say the same. Um, and I'd like to know that, you know, so that's that's just important. Invest in yourself because then that will give you the skills and the knowledge to push your career on and your business on further. Good tips, man. Good tips. Uh, you didn't mention who your what your beard care routine was, though. <laughs> well, I used to have a beard like yours, and it got so, it's got so peeved off of it. Now we have it trimmed every sort of four weeks. Everyone says that. I have never yeah. thought this is too long. Every yeah, time that's because I... you do a pencil pushing job and just talk to people. All right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? <laughs> I've locked you back now. But in the nicest possible way, you know, you are, you, you know, you're teaching and all the rest of it. When you're actually, you know, I used to come home and Jack, my partner, should look at me and she'd be like, oh my God, what's in your beard? You know, and I'll be like pulling up bits of hoof clippings and all this. Aunt Thomas, he, he, the guy down in Cornwall, he's like, keep cows moving. He's big on social media. He's coming on in a week or so. Yeah, he, he's got a beard like yours. You could have, you two could have a beard off. And he, he's, um, oh, there we go. Look, he's just putting some stuff on. Are you trying to put something in it? Yeah, well, I was just trying to work. I've actually got beard decorations in the car. They, I've got, I've got, I've got yeah. beard baubles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, they're brilliant. Yeah, I've got this. So, um, so I trimmed it right back. It's gone hit, and now it's just just has a bit of beard oil in. That's all it has. You know, it's it's funny you mentioned Aunt. Aunt messaged me about three weeks ago after uh, Sophie had been on a fair bit after actually, and said, uh, "Oh, how are you getting on? I've been told you are my Scottish doppelganger." <laughs> he is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, keeping cash moving. I know that. Now. I'm sure that's quite a bigger crowd. And I was like, oh shit, ninety thousand followers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, he's he's coming on. Um, we had a couple of times we'd arranged and then had a problem, but uh, yeah, we'll get him on at some point. Um, there's been hoof trimmers a lot. So Sophie was number eighty six. You're going to be ninety nine. He'll be probably early hundreds. So yeah, there's quite a few in the last few, fifteen or so. But that's no, all the interesting ones. Then. Oh, that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, and 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 so we talk about cows more than I will. Well, we went into uh, we went to some deep chats, man, and some really important chats and, and chats. I'm glad. Good. And thank you for like um, the opportunity to come on and talk about it. And yeah, all, you just keep pushing it forward. That's great. Not at all. Not at all. The more stories I can get out there, the better. And like you say, speaking to folk is just so fun. Like I mean, I started this, and the original goal was sort of showing what type of career you can find in this industry. And three days in, I'm like, oh, that was a fun person. And then I was I was Fortnite like the point. Uh, and as of this is I guess kind of a bit of a tip towards the announcement from Nick, from tomorrow's episode as of tomorrow it will be eight episodes a month and it's like I genuinely don't feel like I'm doing it it's just man I love it just meeting yeah. folk and uh, I was going to give a bit of a clue there I won't give another clue but um, yeah meeting folk from this sector is just brilliant 
Yeah. No, it's great. We work in a really a fantastic sector, and I think and I think we need to do a lot more to promote and push it, and you know, bring the characters because farming is just full of great people. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. Uh, so yeah, thank you very much, Neil. If you want to check Neil out, in, well, I would say NJB, but I'm sure most people say NJB Hoofcare on Instagram. Um, go check out his podcast with Joe Marler as well. Uh, I think it's just called Joe Marler Cows. Joe Marler Show, yeah, no, Joe Marler Show. You'll see it in there. Yeah, yeah. Like the third last or something like that at the minute. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, so go check that one out. Uh, our bovine beautician. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on Neil appreciate your time and uh, we shall see you all for the 100th episode tomorrow Uh, yeah no you have a good one man we'll keep in touch yeah no worries I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2 cast I just want to take this moment to quickly thank our primary sponsors once more Aplan Rural if you follow Aplan on social media you'll see the work they're doing to really promote British farming and back our industry. It's been a pleasure working alongside Aplan Rural so far and long may it continue. The values of Aplan Rural runs perfectly in line with the whole mantra of Rural to Kitchen and I'm glad to have them on board. Check them out on Instagram at Aplan Rural and on Facebook at Aplan Rural Insurance. See you for the next podcast.